morning, New Spring family. If you are grateful for that God is with us, come on, put your hands together and thank Him for that glorious reality. Uh, happy Thanksgiving E, Christmas E season. I hope you all have worked through all of your Thanksgiving leftovers. There's a lot of leftovers, you know what I'm saying? When you deep fry a 30-pound bird, uh, you're going to have a lot of white meat throughout the course of the week. We make the turn now into Christmas season. Have you all pulled out your Christmas trees or purchased your Christmas trees? Just, just out of curiosity, I might do a little bit of a, just a little bit of a survey right now. Are, are you like artificial tree people or real tree people? I always assumed being here in South Carolina, uh, being people connected with the land, that everyone was a real tree person, but that's not the case. So, okay, so where are the artificial tree people in the room? Put your, wow, real tree people, put your hand up. So artif- I, I'm a team artificial tree person, okay? For economic reasons, for convenience reasons, my wife is clearly a real tree person. I, I like to make the case for artificial, I don't even like the word artificial, all right? I think there's a negative connotation with artificial. I like using the word recyclable. I like the word reusable. I like the word responsible. The responsible tree that basically every year it pays for itself again and again and again. You know what I'm saying? It's cost effective. It's, it's also so convenient. You don't even have to like take the ornaments off it. You just put it up in the basement like kind of just pre-decorated, pull that thing down. You don't have to go out and search one out. You don't have to see the you know, inflation be hitting our Christmas trees like hard as well. You don't have to drag a tree into a house that wasn't designed to carry an ex-living tree. You don't have to put up with pine needles that are falling, spiders that are crawling. You don't have to take that, come on, that live tree out onto your front yard when it's all done with, to watch basically 140, 150 bucks wither and die, you know what I'm saying? I'm a big team artificial tree guy. My wife is a team real tree person, so this year we compromised. We got a real tree on Friday, but I'm telling you, next year, we are, I love this Christmas season. I love the smells in the air, uh, the sounds in the earth, uh, I love the Christmas programming on the television. But what I love most is it's a time where the world stops or at least slows down and leans into a message that God has for every single human being. That God wants to be with us. He's not a distant God. He's not a distracted God. He's not a disgusted God. He's a passionate loving and connected God, and he wants you to know he wants to be with us. In the darkness, he wants to be with us. In our pain, he wants to be with us. In our failure, he wants to be with us. In that mundane day-to-day grind, he wants to be with us. In your heartbreak, he wants to be with us. In the uncertainty of the earth today, he wants to be with us. That's the reason throughout the course of December, leading into our Christmas services, we're going to be engaging this subject, God with 
us. As a teaching team, we want to use the Word of God and believe the Spirit of God will put an exclamation mark on all of our labor to show you that this is the story, this is the message, all the way through the Bible. From Genesis through to Revelation, God is trying to let you know you don't need to do life alone. You don't have to feel isolated in this journey. You can know, you can feel, you can walk forward knowing God with us. So I want you to get that today. God wants to be with you. Can we, can we just sit with that for a moment, that God wants to be with you? But, but, but Dan, I feel so small and overlooked. Uh, I have people in my life who don't even wanna be with me. Are you telling me that God wants to sit with me and engage with me? Are you telling me that God understands me? Are you telling me that God sees me? Yep, God wants to be with you. Do you feel that? Have you felt it this year? You might be going through a season of life where you're questioning it. God wants to be with you. Today, specifically, I'm gonna lean into the book of Genesis and show you that right there at the beginning of the book, the whole story is unfolding. That right there at the beginning of the scriptures, God's already letting you know this is deep inside of his heart. He wants to be with you. That's the reason in Genesis chapter one and verse 27, literally you and me are being talked about regarding how we came to be. The Bible says in verse 27 that God said, let us make man in our image. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are having a conversation, and they said, let's make man in our image. Let's make woman in our image. We're not just creating some workers to take care of creation. We're not creating something to experience our wrath or our vengeance. No, let's make someone in our image. We are relational as a God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Let's make humanity so that we can relate with them. God wants to be with you. I know that's hard to get your mind around because there's different levels to being with someone. Some people, you know when you're with someone but they don't really wanna be with you? You're with together but you're not experiencing like a lot of withness in the room. You know, you're hanging out and you're chatting away and they're like messing around on their phone, they're shooting texts, they're checking their watch, they're looking over your shoulder. You're with them but not with them. But then there's a kind of withness where you're with someone and they're with with you. Their phone is turned over, they're lent in, their eyes are locked in on you, they're interested, they're intricately intertwined with that moment. God is that kind of with. God is love and he wants to be with those he created. He wants to be with us. And not only does he wanna be with us, God made you to be with him that your life is best lived in his presence with him. Not just watching him from a distance, not just hearing about him every now and then, every day in a relationship with him, that's where life in its best form exists. The one who gave us life wants us to live life with him. That's the reason as you continue in Genesis chapter one and two, you'll see this very distinct picture painted by God. This is you and me created in his image and we're put into a garden. 
where we're given responsibilities, where the work of our hands brings glory to God, extends his kingdom, gives us a sense of meaning. We're naked and we're not afraid. We see one another. We trust one another. We're connected with one another. And every single night in the cool of the day, God himself will show up in that garden and walk around with us. We were made to be with God. And from being with God, there was purpose and meaning. There was fruit from our labor. There was increase and multiplication for our household. There was interpersonal relationships that aren't built on intimidation or fear, but security and love. And ultimately, we get to experience him in an unbroken state. That's the reason we talk about it all the time at New Spring Church. We want everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship with God. We don't want you to do weekly religion. We don't want you to do seasonal church attendance. We want you to feel him and know him and sense him and walk with him high and low and everything in between every single day because you were created by God for that very reason. So here is the picture painted in Genesis chapter one and two. God wants to be with you and you were made to be with him. But at the beginning of Genesis chapter three, you will see Satan entering into the picture, temptation being put forward, deception being swallowed, and sin ruining this picture. The serpent, the snake, Satan slithers into the garden and whispers into the ear of humanity, you don't need to be with God. You can do this for yourself. You can do this by yourself. Humanity hears that temptation, is filled with pride and falls, and that beautiful picture is shattered. That painting is shredded apart, and sin enters into the earth. Death becomes the destiny for every man, woman, and child. The purpose that we used to live with now is lost. The meaning we used to have, now we try to search out for ourselves. That sense of connection with those around us now is marked by suspicion and jealousy. The everyday relationship that we could have with God now is a figment of our once upon a time imaginations. Did that happen? Wow, it would have been so... Everything which was beautiful was broken. Everything was so sacred, now it's shredded. But right there in the beginning of Genesis chapter three, you'll see God beginning a master plan to get us back with him. You'll see that right there at the beginning of the Bible, God puts into play a gospel reality that would get us back into the garden. Now, a lot of people who've been brought up around church may have read the start of Genesis at some point, but many people would have read right through Genesis 3 and not noticed this glorious game plan embedded in this reaction to the fall. And you'll see right there in Genesis 3, God putting into place everything required to get us back with How is it there in Genesis chapter three? Well, point number one, you'll see right there in Genesis chapter three, in verse nine, a search. This is the primary difference between the life-giving gospel 
and dead religion. Dead religion says that you have to search out God. It's through your effort, your energy, your blood shed, your sweat given that gets you back towards God. The gospel declares a God who is so good that he would come to find you where you're at in your brokenness, in your hurt, in your shame, in the middle of your mistake, as you feel a million miles away from him, guess what? He traveled a million miles to find you here this Sunday. He's the one who searches for you. In verse nine, God steps into the garden, asks this question, but the Lord God called to man, where are you? You gotta understand, whenever God asks a question, he's not asking a question because he doesn't know the answer. When God asks a question of humanity, he's trying to reveal something to us. He's trying to reveal that we're lost, but he's come to find us. We're apart from him, but he's here to bring us home. We've been expelled from the garden, but we get back in by his good work and his grace. He's the one who comes searching for you. That's what's happening here this morning. Some of y'all thought, hey, it's that time of year I should go to church again and you had that thought this week. No, he's been searching for you. Some of y'all have that family member who is always bugging you about coming along to church and just to get them off your back, you thought you'd go along to church. No, no, he's been searching for you. This week you heard something, saw something on social media in a passing conversation that made you think, you know what? Maybe I should go along to service this. No, he's been searching after you. But you ask the question, why is he searching for me? I'm so broken. And he's so beautiful. He's so perfect. I'm so not. The world's so big. I'm so small. Why does he search for me? Why? Because you were made in his image and by default and definition, you are valuable to him. We search for people who are valuable to us. I had an emotion Feel my heart a couple of weeks ago, I haven't felt for years and years and years. Um, both of my children are growing up now, 20 and 18 years of age, so it's been a while since I've lost them. But when they were younger children, I lost them quite often. In fact, I was surprised that Krista would keep trusting them to me, considering how often they would go missing. Didn't have this feeling until a couple of weeks ago, I'm at a football game, I'm there with some family friends, the Wrights, and the Wrights have three beautiful young boys. They're two older boys, Brazil and Ballard, seven and five are rambunctious young men. And it's not their fault. Football goes for a long time. I'm still trying to understand why the last three minutes of an American football game can go for three hours. I don't know why. It's valley for money, you know what I'm saying? And so here I am, we're hanging out this game. These boys are kind of getting a little bit just over-energetic. So I thought as a pastor, a friend, as an OG goat dad, I would step in and say, hey, just give me the boys, I've got them covered. So John and Cortland give me their two boys and here I am, cool Uncle Dan, throwing them in the air, spinning them around, giving them all kinds of candy. And we're hanging out in the back and we're hanging out, we're having a great time. My eye is on them. Then I hear a massive roar behind me. Something big happened, maybe a big sack, something like that. I turned around and I wanted to see what was happening. I watched some replay going on. I turned back around. It was but five seconds, I promise you. Maybe, maybe a minute, but it wasn't long. And the boys were gone. 
So I'm starting to freak out. So I thought maybe the boys went back to John and Cortland. So I asked John and Cortland, hey, are the boys with you? And they said, no, they're meant to be with you. And I'm freaking out. My heart starts racing. My imagination starts running as John and I start searching for the boys. Now, let me ask you this question. In that moment, did the game matter? Did I hear the noise on the field? No. Did I care about a win or a loss? Couldn't be bothered. What was my focus? These precious boys who were lost. Now, we found them again, it's all good. You know, after a couple of days and a police, I'm messing around, no, 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 no. We found them again, no counseling is required. But in that moment, my focus was on these young men who were lost, why? Because they are so valuable. And I want you to get this, this Christmas season that if you or anyone you know is apart from God right now, if being with God is something you know in your head but you don't feel it in your heart, you might profess with your lips but you don't believe it in your soul. God has that emotion times a billion focused in on you. He is searching for Right there in Genesis chapter three, you'll see a search. Point number two, you'll see a son. The son that would crush the work of Satan and his army is introduced right there at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter three and verse 15, here now God is speaking to humanity and to Satan. Satan, you have tricked humanity. You fooled them into thinking that you can do this life thing alone, that you can fill that space that was set in every single human heart with possession and, and pleasure and success. And You tricked them, but now there's a curse that's gonna fall upon you. And he actually now delivers to Satan the sentence. And I will put enmity there is gonna be a war, there's gonna be a battle, there's gonna be a tension, there's gonna be conflict between you and the woman, between your offspring, in the King James Version, it says, your seed and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Right there at the beginning of the Bible, right there, three chapters into the book of Genesis, you'll see the gospel unfolded the offspring, the seed that we'll see in the book of Galatians down the track, who was Jesus Christ, would crush Satan and all of his work. In Revelation 20, it talks about the devil being the ancient serpent, and he would slither, and he would seemingly get some ground, but at the end of the day, his punishment has already been spoken, his defeat has already been deliberated, the son would come and crush the head of Satan and everything he touches. Now, if you ever come across a snake, I'm not your guy. I'm Australian, but bad with snakes. You all assume that I'm cool with snakes because every conversation I have, with somebody who's meeting me for the first time, they always kind of, after a couple minutes, go, wait a second, you're not from around here. And then I say, yeah, I'm from Australia. And you all do the same thing. Throw a shrimp on the barbie. And then you do the whole, oh yeah, I wanna go to Australia, but it's so far away, and there's snakes everywhere. 
Guys, I'm here to let you know, I've lived in, I lived in Australia for 40 years. I've lived now in South Carolina for nearly seven. I have seen so many more snakes here in South Carolina. All right, and, and I'm not your snake guy either way, okay? Even though I was brought up around some snakes, I'm not good with snakes. In fact, uh, earlier this summer, uh, we found a snake in our pool skimmer. Uh, Krista goes, hey babe, there's a dead snake in the pool skimmer. You gotta deal with it, you know what I'm saying? Men deal with snakes, it's in the Bible somewhere, so here I am, I've got like some garden, like some um, like kitchen, actually kitchen tongs, kitchen tongs. The snake is like spinning around, I think the snake is drowned, it's a brown one, and it's like spinning around there, and so here I am, and so I go to grab the snake with the kitchen tongs, and I'm gonna go and throw it over my neighbor's fence. And <laughs> no one will ask Krista. And this dead snake was not so dead. And it's, and it's like writhing now. So I freak out, and what was inside of me was revealed. If you wanna know who your friend Dan Lian is at his very core, this is what I did. I got the snake and I threw it at Krista. <laughs> I'm not the guy to call to deal with a snake. There's a snake that's been at work in the earth for the longest time. And the fruit of this deception, the fruit of this fall was every painful, dark, and horrendous thing in the earth. And here at the beginning of the Bible, God promises his son who will show up and crush the snake's head. The division in society, crushed by Jesus. Racism, crushed by Jesus. Hurt and pain, crushed by Jesus. That shame you walk around with, crushed by Jesus. War and the rumor of wars, crushed by Jesus. Sickness, disease, cancer, crushed by Jesus. Once and for all. It's right there in Genesis chapter three. The son would deal with the snake. You can't do it. Don't try to battle them yourself. Submit yourself, therefore, to the serpent slayer, King Jesus. Hide in him, trust in him, rest in him, rely on him. That's how enemy and all of his works get pulled apart and dismantled. The son will come to deal with the snake. Thirdly and lastly, right there in Genesis chapter three, you should read your Bibles more, it's really cool. You'll see a search, you'll see a son, and finally you'll see a sacrifice. Right there in Genesis chapter three, verse 21, you'll see that the Lord God comes in and makes garments of skin, an animal would give its life, a skin would be taken for Adam and his wife to be clothed. You'll see right there, in the beginning, God made you to be with him, God wants to be with you, not with you, with with you. Connected, concerned, committed, compassionate. And we're the ones who ruin the picture. 
We're the ones who fractured perfection. But then God steps in and puts into place a plan that would bring anyone who would desire, anyone who would respond to his love, back with him. I love how right away, the first reaction for Adam and Eve when their eyes were open and their shame was felt was that they went and found fig leaves and sewed them together. What a preposterous picture. I'm not a seamstress, not a tailor, but I'm guessing that fig leaves probably aren't the best materials to try to make some clothing from and to stand before a God that sees all anyway. But I'm gonna lie to you, I'm that preposterous picture way too often as I try to cover myself with my own righteousness, with my own good works, with my own pride. We all do it by nature. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're going, I was raised in a really conservative church and I got told that I needed to do A plus B so that I could have salvation, I'm here to let you know all of that is like sewing fig leaves together. And even for my New Spring family who think they're not, they're not religious because you all go to New Spring Church, there's no way I'm religious, I go to New Springs. New Spring is like the unreligious church in town. They got a drum kit. They got a funny Chinese guy who wears wrinkly white jackets. This can't be a religious church. No, no, we all by nature think the way forward back into the garden is by making our own covering. But our covering is foolish before God. Especially in the light of the fact that he stepped into the garden, sin had been committed, death was demanded, humanity didn't have to experience it, for a sacrifice would stand in our behalf. A life was given, blood was shed, so that Adam and Eve could be covered. And do not forget this Christmas season that this baby born in a manger would grow up to be a perfect man who would stand trial facing charges that we were guilty of. He'd be pinned to a cross that we deserve to bear. Who would allow death to fill his being so life could fill that baby in the manger would become a life given, bloodshed, so that you and me could be covered. If anyone's grateful for that, just put your hands together for King Jesus, just a couple of moments. You and I are covered. So we get to interact with God with confidence. You and I are covered so that you could know in your darkest moment, he's there holding a light. You and I are covered so that you can stand before him and say, there's no way I deserve this. Look at this rap sheet. He says, put away that rap sheet. Look at these nail-scarred hands.
you and I are coming. And we see it there in the third chapter of the good book. Is anyone grateful for that? Come on. I'm so grateful in my heart. Okay, so how do we respond? Okay, that's cool. Never seen the gospel before right there in Genesis chapter 3. How do we respond? In the light of what I've heard, I feel like, I'm, like what do we do? Well, simply, there are three responses that I would le- love to lean into today and in the coming weeks. The first response is this. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus through the blood that was shed, if you are sitting here this morning with a little bit of Jesus and some of your own fig leaves that you're sewing together, cut it out. Put your faith and your hope and trust in the freedom and the forgiveness and the fullness of life that Jesus came so far to give. And I would love to invite you to just invite King Jesus to be your Lord, your Savior, and your everyday friend. So in every single campus, with every eye closed and every heart open, if that's you, and you're saying, wow, God's been doing something in my heart over the last couple of weeks, even months, and I just know that I was made for an everyday relationship with Him. Would you just pray these words after me? I promise you, heaven will hear and everything changes. Just pray this in your heart. King Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. I repent. I turn from my own way. I turn your way. Help me by your spirit. Live life to the full with you. Amen. You put your hands together for all the people who lifted their, um, pray that prayer in their hearts. Um, In a few moments time, I'm gonna hand off this gathering into the hands of a local leader or a pastor and they'll shepherd this moment. But in every single room, there is going to be a cross. And if you pray that prayer for the first time or maybe for the first time in a real way, I wanna invite you to meet up with the person in your room by that cross. For others in this room, if you're a friend of Jesus, if you're a follower of His, if you're filled with the Spirit and you love Father God, can I encourage you? Your response is to lean into His presence like maybe you haven't lent into His presence all year long. You remember before when I talked about with someone and with with someone? Have you ever felt that you can do that to God yourself? Like He wants to be with us but life is so busy, we don't pay him attention. Or we, we grab a little bit of the word in the morning, maybe grab a daily devotional, and then we get about our day and maybe think about him before we go to bed at night. Can I encourage you maybe to turn your phone off and turn it over? Stop looking over God's shoulders and look in his direction. Maybe in a few moments time as we respond and take communion, Maybe as you take communion, the bread and the juice, you would spend time reflecting on, wow, this is what he did to be with me? We're gonna do that in a few moments' time. And the third and the last response is, most of you all would have got one of these coming in. Can you just pull this out right now and give me a little bit of a wave? Give me a bit of a wave. If you got one of these things, just fan yourself a little bit. 
because it's December in South Carolina and it is wet outside, but 78 degrees, people. God bless South Carolina and all kinds of global warming. You know what I'm saying? I kind of, all right. Um, this is an invite card. And you can read the story behind it, but really all we're trying to do is to make sure if you have a family member or a friend, lift your hand high in the sky. Do you have a family or a friend who needs to know that God wants to be with them? Come on, put your hands up high in the sky. Come on, see, we're all in the same boat. I'm going to encourage you to not only just invite someone along, but to bring them. Invite is like, hey, you should come to church. Uh, bring them is like kind of, just work out what stalking is, yeah, and get to that line and take one step back. That's the kind of energy. You know what I'm saying? Bring them is like text them all week long, promising them church is going to be good. Use fire emojis. Lots of fire emojis. Gen Z loves a fire emoji. Get someone here. Bring someone here. Pray for this person. Go to their house during the course of January. Knock on their door on a Sunday morning. Throw a pillowcase over their head. Throw them in your trunk. Drive them around for a little bit. Drop them off at church. You know what I'm saying? In fact, take this out right now. Put your hand over it. Just think about someone in your world, in your neighborhood. Someone who was gathered at your Thanksgiving table. Someone you see every single day at work. In the name of Jesus, we speak their name. Right now, in our hearts, we speak it out, but in heaven, it's booming out. Help these people find the good God who came so far to find them. The one who wants to be with them. Amen. I invite everyone in this room just to stand to your feet. In fact, everyone in every single campus, stand to your feet. All of our ministry teams, you can get to your positions. Like I said, there's going to be a campus leader or a pastor out in a few moments time to shepherd this moment, so don't go anywhere. God wants to be with you. Come on, let's, let's come on. God wants to be with you. In the name of Jesus, I speak this out. This Christmas season, that truth will become your reality like never ever before. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to go live to a campus pastor or a shepherd or a leader in every room. But let's see how many people this Christmas season we can bring along to hear that truth. Amen? Lord Jesus, we love you. Father God, we exalt you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. What you have started, seal. Boom it loudly and clearly to this world. You want to be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond.